Bray was he's he's funny. I think his superpower is like he just had a great relationship with everybody. And if you were talking to him, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world for those moments you're talking to him. And he's he's very special with that. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. I've got some bad news to report. I apologized for those of you who didn't already see it on social media. Not trying to blindside you here, but this is the final episode of Out of Character. I know, I know, I know you enjoyed watching the show every week. I enjoyed doing it. But this is the last episode of Out of Character, and we got someone on the podcast for the final episode that I'm so thrilled we snuck in here at the end. If you've been watching Out of Character since the beginning, you probably saw Natalia on one of the early episodes. I've been trying to get TJ Wilson, her husband, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd, on the podcast since then. That was way back when I started the podcast. So we snuck him in here right at the end. I'm going to talk more about the end of my journey here at Fox Sports, WWE on Fox, but I'm going to save all that mushy stuff for the end. So first, let's get to my conversation with TJ Wilson, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd. TJ Wilson, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, I'm so excited we finally got you here on the show for the last episode. Uh, I was saying before we started, I had Natty on one of the first episodes. I've been wanting you on since then, but it's tough to get you behind the scenes guys on the show. So I'm finally, I'm glad that we finally made it happen. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. No, hey, thank you for having me. I remember I met you. Well, I, I probably, I met you a different, probably earlier, but no, I, think I that was remember the first time we met in person. On sale in August, right? Yeah, I think that was the Last first time year. we met in person. Yeah. I remember you said you you said you wanted, it's funny, you said that to me that you, you would like me to be a guest on your show, but I actually was about to say to you, I would like to be a guest on your show sometime. So we we had the same thought process. Great, great. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. You yeah, once, to the punch. Once I saw you were on, I think it was Hornswoggle's podcast. I was like, I'm going to try again. Maybe I can make it happen this time. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad they, I'm, I'm glad you're relentless. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm definitely relentless. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Uh, you're not on TV anymore, so I don't have to ask the question that I normally do. But here's here's what I want to start off with asking. How would you describe yeah. your your off screen personality? Just you at home. How would you describe yourself? Man, that is a great question. I can be like, it's so funny. I, I I'm a. Uh... I'm a cancer uh, by Zodiac sign. Natty's a Gemini, but I have both sides. I can be very calm and easygoing, or I can be very intense and loud. So uh, I, I have a bit of both. It depends. Uh, am I am I winning in 2K or am I losing? That's what it comes down. <laughs> Are you playing the new one? Is the new one out yet? Uh, it comes out. The new NBA one comes out next week. I'm a big. I'm a big. It's funny we were we were talking earlier, but. Um, Wrestling used to be my wrestling was my escape and it became my every single thing, especially when I was a talent. But over the last probably decade, like basketball, and I really loved basketball as a kid, as a fan, I was never very good at it. But uh, in the last like decade, it's become like my my thing that my fun thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I just got an email so, from 2K and they they were uh, they were like, do you want to do you want a copy of the game to review? And I was like, yeah, give me that new NBA 2K. I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I yeah. Love- so at, at home, it depends. It depends on the, 
on the vibe because I my gym is in my house now. So then I take my pre workout and I just kick it in. I'm getting ready to work out. And the the uh, the intensity starts to to heighten a little bit. Uh, and then you're still because you're still besides working with WWE, you're kind of training people on the side too in your little in your dungeon as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we right now we've been training once a week just with mine and Natty's schedule. It's during the pandemic we were in there like three, four times a week sometimes. But um, yeah, it, you know it's it's a cool. It's we, there are a couple people I've trained from scratch in there, but for the most part, it's um, you know it's guys with experience, and it's almost like a workshop where we kind of come together and really bounce different philosophies and ideas off of each other, and and then kind of put it to the test and. And just try out different things and, and work on different techniques and things that maybe I feel like are lacking or missing or maybe things that I kind of see are maybe going to start be making a bit of a comeback. I may be trying to stay ahead of that a little bit and kind of get everybody implemented into what I kind of see happening next, the next chapter of the business or or for WWE anyway. It's funny. That was, it's When I was watching... When I was prepping for this, I was going on YouTube and just watching stuff from you because you can literally see like you as a 14-year-old training in the heart dungeon on YouTube. And it's it's crazy to see. But after watching that, it's funny because in that dungeon, the you know, the heart dungeon, there's also yeah. kind of like a panel of people kind of watching you and Harry and kind of like giving their little fine-tuning expertise here. So it sounds almost similar to kind of the, what you had back then. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And um, and then, you know, to be working with guys, like, just to see the growth in, like, Angelo Dawkins over the last, uh, like, just, let's just say two years. Uh, to me, the, that's the reward in itself, or, or Liv, Liv Morgan, or, I mean, a lot of people have come to my ring right now. Um, like, Zion Quinn's been coming to my ring a bunch, and he's he's made tremendous improvements over the last maybe six, eight weeks. Um, Moose, who's in Impact, like, he... He's awesome, man. Just a great athlete, a former NFL football player. Like, it, and just it's funny to like just hear these guys' life stories, and then and then off to pro wrestling we go. That's so sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Dawkins, man. I, I mean, credit to him obviously for how much he's worked to put in the work to kind of elevate his game because he was already awesome. But you've really like in the past two years, you've seen just like him break out from what he was before and just like. Now, you know, when they used to always be like, oh, when's Montez going to split on his own? And now it's like, they're both going to have a successful run whenever they decide to do that. And and I think it's because of the work that Dawkins has put in these past few years. He, he has put so much work in and I will never take any credit for anybody's hard work. He has put in so much hard work and just it, it's it's a great energy to be around. Not only does he put in the work for himself, but when he's there, he keeps the energy really high for everybody else. And he... He is a he is a leader. He's absolutely a leader, and uh, he just continues to prove that week after week. Like he'll be on the road, he'll be on the live events, he'll be at TVs, and then he'll still come to my ring, which is it's a twenty minute drive from my house, but it's like a, it's at least ninety minutes from his house. Wow, you know, and then back. He's coming every time, man. Wow, that's that's definitely putting in the work for sure. I, it's still funny seeing him in a suit. You can tell it's like so jarring seeing him in a suit because you can tell he doesn't want to be in it. Man, so I always laugh like his tryout. I wasn't there, but I'd heard about it, and I've, I've you know I'm pretty good friends with him now. We've talked about it a lot. But his tryout, everybody shows up in like suits and stuff, and he showed up in like 
basically pajamas and like house shoes. <laughs> I I badly want to no, know. No prior like pro wrestling experience. So it's not like he's like, oh, I can just I can dress like this. Wait till I wow them with my in-ring stuff. He <laughs> he'd never been in the ring before. <laughs> but his personality is is infectious and it's contagious and it'll his energy will grab you and suck you in, man. And you'll be like, damn. The mandate was you got to show up, you know, looking your best. This guy showed up in pajamas and, and house shoes, but his energy is just that great. We got to have him. Oh, that's the confidence right there. That's the confidence. Do you ever think about what I just mentioned? You know, you're 14 years old when you like when you're like first really training. Do you ever think about like how wild it is that you've spent pretty much your entire life doing wrestling? It is crazy when I think about it. Um, it it's like I, I, I told this story in the back a few times, but like in 1996, I just turned 16 and uh, we did a, a live event in Calgary and we we're, were the opening match. And it was like myself and a friend of ours against uh, Teddy and Harry and uh, Harry's 11. Ted and I are 16 and our friend's 15. And our the finish in the match was, Teddy superplexed me and Harry hit me with a headbutt off the other top rope. And I just like, I always joke, like imagine I show up to a live event now as a producer and I don't know, let's say like, let's say Randy Orton's nephews are having a match on the show and they're all under 18 years old. And I see them do a super play. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) How did we, how did this happen? How did we, how do, how are we allowed to do that? How did we pull that off? How did that, it just was this perfect storm of like, I don't know. There's some weird chaos that like we had that WWF match and just, yeah. And, and it is, it's insane to think about just that, you know, uh, like almost, you know, more than way more than half my life I've been in wrestling. It just is crazy. And, 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 the, and you know, like anything, when you start out, you don't know anything. So you're just like, well, how am I going to make it to, point B when I don't even know anything about point A and how, you know, it's just, it's a wild ride. And I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I love every single experience wrestling has given me. I, you talking about an 11 year old backstage makes me think of like Nicholas at WrestleMania where he's like, he just goes up to Braun. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to do a flying headbutt in this match. Is that cool? You know? And Braun's like, Oh yeah, man, nail it. You got this. Yeah, kid. See, like, Imagine the finish of that match was Braun superplexes Cesaro and, and Nicholas hits him with the, the headbutt off the top. <laughs> you can tell insane. you can tell in those videos that Harry's a little bit younger than you too, because like in the in one of the matches I saw where you guys are wrestling in Stampede, you're like full gear, you're like ready. You got tassels, and he's kind of like in a hoodie. Just kind of. He's in the hoodie. I know the match you're talking about. Uh, that's a Stampede Wrestling TV match. Yes, and it's so funny. I'm like, I'm sitting there watching it, going, "Is is Harry just in a hoodie in this match?" And then I'm like, "Oh, well, he's a child." Like, dude, he he's um, he's 14 there. Crazy. He's 14 in that match, and so I think what started to happen to him at that time, he really hit a growth spurt and started to get really tall, and his shoulders started like coming out, but the rest of his body hadn't quite matched up yet and i think he i think he felt a little like kind of it, it's crazy we wrestled this match and he's wearing a hoodie for the whole thing it's so funny i'm glad i'm glad it was even weird then because yeah it was so funny to me was, i was like it was weird in the moment dude it was weird I, in the moment it I wasn't was like, like oh looking back on it it's kind of strange 
Yeah, and it's not even like like he's trying hard to make the like his look look cool. It's like a blue hoodie he's trying, but he's definitely just in a hoodie. And you're like, no, that's not it. That's not the look right there. That's not it. <laughs> no, and it's funny. Morrow's the commentator in that match in Bad News Allen. And we're it's so funny. We're watching it, me and my wife, and she's like, oh, that's crazy. That's Morrow on commentary. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh man, I hope he says Mama Mia at some point. Sure enough. Mamma Mia! And I'm like, oh, he's been saying that since way back then? I didn't know it was like a trademark since way back then. Oh, yeah. Since I've met Morrow, he's been saying Mamma Mia, which is like, I met him in 99, so 24 years ago. Oh, man, that's so crazy. <laughs> How did you first... I remember Morrow loved that match because it, you know, it was it was, the, it was the beginning of 2000 and it was just kind of like a new style was kind of coming out a little bit and uh, we were... Uh, a little bit on the cutting edge of it. Just we were kids, man. And we just kind of knew what was the new style at the moment. And I remember Morrow loving that match and just being like, be, you know, being Morrow. And he just was like, buddy, I wish everybody was starting to work like that. Or, you know, it, it was very complimentary. And Morrow was, I've always, I've never had a bad word with Morrow ever. He looks so different when, when they show him on commentary. I was like, whoa, that's Morrow. He looks so different yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, okay, so wait, at what point, well, actually, no, I want to ask this. How did you, how did you get connected to the Hart family initially? And were you already a fan of wrestling then? Okay, so it's funny. I've told this story a few times. Um, my cousin first, my first experience with wrestling, my cousin who's a few years older than me showed me wrestling. And this probably isn't it. I've YouTubed it. There is a Killer Bees versus Demolition match, but that's probably not the match I saw. I probably watched an episode that had the Killer Bees on it and probably Demolition, but I just in my mind have mashed them together. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I just remember being enamored of like, what is this? Who, what are these characters? Who are these people? And um, I went home and uh, practiced some of what I saw on TV on my younger sisters. And uh Wrestling was banned in my house after that. So, no more wrestling, but I was a big Ninja Turtles fan. So I lost wrestling, which I didn't really, I hadn't, I just watched that one episode. So I hadn't really been engulfed in it. So I was okay to like take the ban as long as Ninja Turtles still existed in my life. Uh, <laughs> I'm about seven or eight at that time. But then I, at 10 years old, I'm in the same class with Teddy Hart and he kept asking me to come to his house, which he said was a gym. And when you're a kid, you think of gym as gymnasium. You know? In Canada, it's floor hockey, basketball. And when I showed, when I went with him to his house, it was uh, like a hardcore workout gym, like bikers. like. It, and I was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting at all. And then uh, went up to Stu's once for a Sunday dinner, and I just became engulfed in, in this family. That's, forever that's for the so last wild 33 years that's so wild because yeah that's like man like what a what a perfect twist of fate for you to get involved in a family that would just kind of like be such a big part of your life from such a young age and then yeah oh my god and like i think about it a lot like a butterfly effect i guess but like what if i didn't what if i didn't like what if ted didn't befriend me ted was ted was very like pushy and trying to befriend me and i was trying to avoid him actually a little bit at first and he just wasn't having it and me sitting here right now 43 years old i'm telling you i'm very grateful for him being as pushy as he was as a 10 year old kid 
<laughs> well, at what point? Because you start. Because what? How old were you there when you met Teddy and started getting involved in the family? Uh, I was ten. Ten. So then it's a couple years later when you're actually kind yeah, of like. And, and then, like, I remember, you know, his family obviously so engulfed in wrestling. So now I'm almost kind of being. I guess not even re-educated, just educated into what is this wrestling and who's who. And um, I just remember like watching, and I remember really starting to enjoy everything and kind of like really liking this wrestling. And I'm watching it at home now. I, I the ban has been somehow I am banned it myself at home. And I guess I, I, I learned not to do the moves on my sisters. So, <laughs> uh, or at least not when my mom was around. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we have that in so, common. My sister always talks about how she was like, yeah, I loved getting power bombed all the time by you. <laughs> awful. I had this, I had this stuffed monkey that was a little taller than me and had like long limbs and stuff. So he was awesome. Like he was awesome to learn how to do sharpshooters and figure fours and stuff like that. And he couldn't complain. He didn't get hurt. He was just a stuffed toy. He was great. He wasn't going to tell um, mom on you. <laughs> he was easy to keep quiet. I had to bribe my sisters a little bit harder, but the monkey, no problem. Stuff monkey, he wasn't gonna say word. Uh, but SummerSlam '92, Brett versus Davey. I, I didn't. You know, I'm, a, I'm 12 years old, and I just, I didn't understand that wrestling could look like that. And that's what, like, from that moment, the second I watched that match, when it was over, I just remember, I don't know what, but something in my head was like, okay, this is exactly what I'm gonna do. Did you? Did you watch any of the other Wembley show to see some people you knew getting to wrestle in such a big place at the at the venue that that you first wanted to be a wrestler because of? Yeah, hell yeah, and it, it was cool to see like their their success and to see the guys like performing on such a big stage and like I was I was I was I'm proud of I'm proud of them I'm proud of all my friends that get to achieve certain level of success in a perfect world. Like, I, I love my friends so much in a perfect world. I wish I was the least successful of all my friends. So that way, like, I'll be okay. And I know everyone else will be more than okay. That'd be in a perfect world. But it just was, it was a lot of fun to watch those guys kind of like exactly like you're saying, like 31 years later, kind of, hey, that was the thing that got me into this. So, you know, I don't know what maybe a 12 year old kid watched that show this past week and that sparked his brain. And now he's going to be a wrestler and he's going to go on to do great things in front and behind the camera. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure I'm, I'm positive. It did spark someone like that. I mean, like I'm sure it happens every big event in wrestling, you know, I mean, you can't not, if you're someone who is attracted to wrestling, when you watch something like that, you can't help but be inspired by a big event. Yeah, like you say, if you didn't really like wrestling, you just, your friend ordered it or whatever. And you saw, that capacity just like if you were to see or if you were to sit up someone who's never watched wrestling in front of a wrestlemania and just be like hey just like just look at the crowd look at the look at the spectacle look at the show don't even look at the the wrestling yet just look at that part first you have to sit back and go this is insane something is working here because why are there this many people in one spot at one time <laughs> yeah that's i i uh wrestlemania was finally in la so my wife took one of her best friends and that was definitely her we're just like this is it's a lot crazier than I thought it was going to be. Like, this is pretty wild. This is a whole, this is a whole production. Because I think that some people think it's just like people fighting. And when you really see something like a WrestleMania where it's this whole production, you you can't help but be impressed by it. Yeah, I, I remember sitting there in the day and just seeing the the entrance way, and they kind of had it like movie 
posters, you know, and I yep. just, I was just sitting back and just like watching them keep rotating and changing. And I was just like, man, like I get blown away by our production. Our production team is, is insane. They are amazing at what they do and just what they bring to life every time is, is unbelievable. And it's, it's always such a cool thing to like the unveiling of WrestleMania. The set is always very cool. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Whenever, the, even the video, I couldn't imagine being there in person, but even the video, you can't help when they put it out, but go like, man, that's really impressive. Like, and the fact that they build some of those things and then it's gone in a day, just, gone. I don't even, I don't even totally know how. Gone. And then like, I couldn't even do that with a desk. warehouse for the rest of its existence yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I can imagine too, you know, you're watching, you know, SummerSlam 92, you're around the Hart family. Um, I can imagine that seeing someone like a Bret Hart and the rest of the hearts, but specifically Brett, who's like the guy, had to have been inspiring for you as a kid too. Of like, well, not only do I like this, but there's proof that I can do it. So inspiring. And I remember, uh, I can remember clear as day, Teddy's brother um, at school. Uh, I saw him in the morning right before like the bell rang for to, to get to the first period or whatever. And I remember he's like, hey, do you know who's, the champion right now and i was like ah oh, rick flair and then he's like no brett and then like the bell rang and i was like wait what what and like had to go to class and i remember being like oh my god i gotta wait till lunch is is he messing with me brett's the world champion right now so uh because it hadn't aired or whatever and they hadn't announced it happened on the uh, tv taping in saskatchewan but like it hadn't hadn't aired yet or maybe even a live event it hadn't aired yet uh, or and they hadn't even announced it yet but the next day Ted's brother told me, and I just remember like the first, that whole morning is a blur of like, I don't care what I'm learning right now in math class. I got to get to lunch so I can figure out, is he messing with me or is Brett really the champ? How did this happen? So yeah, it was definitely, definitely motivating and definitely like, it was, it was really, it, it was really awesome. I spent a lot of time, like a lot of time with Davey. I live with Davey at certain times and we worked out at, a lot during times and he, to be around Davey and Jim and Brett and Owen, like I just had the greatest education you could possibly have. And then I was taught how to wrestle by Ross Hart and Bruce Hart. And then later a Japanese guy named Tokyo Joe, who I, I credit everything I have is through him. So you, I feel like Davey boy doesn't get talked about as much, you know, as much as Brett, but what was he like? Oh man, Davey was the best dude. He was he was just a big kid. He just like, he wanted to have fun. He wanted to play jokes. He wanted to, he wanted to work out really hard and he wanted to work out really hard and then play just as hard. He, he was just fun, fun, loving. Uh, he, I learned a lot from Davey. I learned a lot. Like even just, I mean, maybe more than anything, his generosity. Like if, if everybody went out for sushi, the bill, it wasn't a split bill. One guy was paying, it'd be Davey would pay for everybody every time. And I try to like pay that for it. I, if my friends eat with me, uh, I I will not let them pay. There's no way uh, they can pay it for. They can pay for somebody else down the road. But it's a lot of Davey. His generosity might be the thing that people maybe don't know about the most. You know, people know stories of his ribbing, and of course, he's a phenomenal wrestler and in great shape. But he was so generous and so like easygoing, and I think you know he loved messing around. But I don't think he was really ever caught up in too much drama. That's cool to hear. He was a generous guy. I mean, he seemed, he's, he always seemed like a big kid. 
dude, he was like, he would like, even if he wasn't like, even if he wasn't good at them or didn't know how to play, he would like play video games with Harry and Georgia. And then like with, you know, games they wanted to play. He, he was good at some games, Like you know, he's very funny. Like I said, he just was a big kid. He loved playing video games. He loved, he loved ribbing people actually funny enough. And I don't know if this story, this story is very funny, uh, but it goes to that match with Harry with that hoodie. Earlier in the day, Harry was at the zoo with uh, his mom, his dad, and his sister. And um, Davey used to always do this thing with Harry where he would fake a left, throw a right, and Harry would duck. Okay. Um, oh, no. <laughs> that day at the zoo, as Davey fakes the left and throws the right, Harry's sister says something to Harry, and he gets distracted. He gets punched right in the mouth. If you look at that match, Harry's upper lip is so swollen. And uh, I remember Davey, when I saw him, he said, like, he actually punches Harry. Then Harry's lip just starts bleeding. And he was like, imagine, like, if, uh, if a fan or, like, any, imagine anybody seeing this. It looks like punching this his kid out in public. 260-pound wrestler just punched his son in the face, which is not what was designed to happen. But, you know, it's like Davey was always, you know, and he felt terrible and was making sure to buy Harry a ton of stuff to, like, make up for it. And Harry wasn't – Harry knew it wasn't at a – on purpose thing it just it, but it was funny we wrestled that day and harry's got the fat lip <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing you know you mentioned tokyo or you mentioned tokyo joe and, and and going to japan um i was looking through your cage match profile and it's pretty crazy that one of your first matches in japan was against jushin liger dude and and yeah it, it is crazy and he was um at the time, he was also the booker of the junior heavyweights, which I was a junior heavyweight. So, like, it was extra stressful, I guess. It was, it was. I think it was my third match in Japan. I'm wrestling Liger in a tag, and I know he's the boss of the foreign of the of the junior heavyweight. So, like, I want to make a good impression on him. And he's Jushin Liger. He, he, you know, I was. I remember being so nervous, and he was. I, I can tell you. I'll, because people have asked me and I, I'm a weirdo with my memories. Very, very sharp. Uh, I wrestled, I wrestled Liger 18 times and Crazy. I, I can, I, I loved it. I love wrestling Liger. He's, I wrestled him in, uh, in his hometown in a six man tag in, uh, Hiroshima. And it was, man, the, the crowd was insane. It was awesome wrestling him there. Yeah. I saw that. And then I was like, Oh, and you team with Brian Danielson in Japan too. That's pretty tight. My whole second tour of uh, New Japan was Brian and I in tags. We would do tags, six-man, and some eight-man tags. And I remember, like, uh, uh, Liger, same thing. Yeah, I remember one time we came to the back, and he was clapping. He's like, perfect, every night, so good. And I was like, man, teaming with Brian is about as easy as it gets. This is easy. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm like, he makes my job so easy. This is fun. I was, uh, when I was prepping for this and watching stuff with my wife, I was making her watch it with me, and... Uh, I, you got, you and Brian have, you and Brian have that one match from Saturday morning slam that I always find to be a hidden gem. I love that match. One of those ones where I'm like, you should watch the match. It's just entertaining. I know it's, it's like four kids and they really aren't getting super violent with each other, but it's real fun to see what they do within those confines of this match. What I always laugh so hard about that match is, um, it has to be like maybe the funniest slash maybe worst use of Kane's Entrance in pyro of all time. <laughs> we do, we use it out of like the airplane, and it goes into an airplane spin. Like that distracts me, and then Brian hits me with the airplane spin, and then 
And then he's dizzy too, so he misses a drop kick in the corner where I'm not in. I'm nowhere near there. Is it, I remember uh, Brian laughing so hard. That was in uh, that was in Buffalo, and there's this fan has this giant sign saying Tyson Kidd is a workhorse, and uh, we get to the back and Brian was laughing so hard, and he was like, "Not tonight, not tonight. You're not. And, you know, we're, we're in this comedy match." On, he said, man, he's, you know, laughing and it's all, he said, you really let that guy down tonight. <laughs> yeah. The part of the match when he gets in the, when he's all wrapped up and you're trying to spin the ball. Him Oh my God. It's one of the funniest things I had seen at that time. Like, it's just, it's so entertaining. That character at that time. I Rigo, came up, Rigo came up to us and he's like, you guys really use the ball as a finish and just kind of like shook his head, but was laughing and just was like. Oh, this this is the this is Saturday morning slam, man. What do you want me to do? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I I I enjoyed my. I had a few matches on there. One with uh, Justin Gabriel against Usos in in uh, Birmingham, England. It was awesome. It was fun. That show was a lot of fun. It was it was interesting because you had to challenge yourself a little bit because you couldn't throw strikes. Uh, you couldn't grab headlocks or chin locks. You had to work around these certain parameters, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's like, I remember I like Ray that Mysterio doing a six one nine to Axel while he's like sitting in the ropes, kind of like Oscar's hip attack, because he couldn't do it to the face. <laughs> yeah, I I always thought that those rules did enhance that show, and it, I like when wrestlers have to challenge themselves. So it was always fun I mean, to kind of like see what they would do. Exactly. It, it it just it was honestly it was fun. I, I had a lot of fun on that show. I feel like that's kind of like a running theme in your career. You know, you're starting with Jushin Liger, someone who's so high up the totem pole early on. But I feel like that kind of happened a lot to you along the way. Because when you first started in ECW, you're wrestling with like a legend in Fit Finley right away, too. Man, Fit, uh, he was, he's the man. He, he did so much for me. A uh, little behind the scenes. So... My first three weeks, I was wrestling enhancement guys, and uh, they kept getting a little bit, nah, not angry with me, but they said my stuff was a little too pretty for a heel, and I was my stuff was too smooth. And I remember telling Johnny, like, well, I was in FCW for the last two years. Like, was I not supposed to be perfecting my my craft? Or Yeah. Anyway, I then I wrestled Fit. My first loop of live events was against Fit, and I was scared, like, deathly afraid. I remember being so nervous going into that match, kind of knowing, like, in a weird way, this is make or break. Like, if it doesn't like this match or doesn't like working me, when he gets asked about it, he has to tell his truth. So I remember um, just, like I said, being scared and so nervous and kind of knowing kind of everything rides on this. And Fit and I had instant chemistry. He was awesome. And I remember he told me he called his Either he told me or maybe his wife told Natty, but he called his dad. He told he called his dad and talked to tell him about our matches. Like he wow. and then he spoke up to Vince about me in a meeting the next week and said, No, I, I put hands on him. Uh, I vouch for him or whatever. Uh, this kid's special, whatever he said, but but I owe a lot to fit. And and then I've also followed his path in terms of the producing the women's matches. So I really owe a lot to fit. A few times our account has posted praise from, you know, one of the wrestlers about you. The entire women's locker room starts quote tweeting it, echoing the same sentiment about how important you've been to the growth of the women's division. How does it feel knowing that you've played such a big part in that these last few years? 
it, I have goosebumps right now. It, it makes me emotional. I'm, uh, it's funny. I remember, uh, this is a funny, uh, so the uh, work with women is, is, is interesting. It's, it takes a little bit more work, but it's also, there's, um, there's also a lot more credit that comes with it. I think in a way, uh, so, I, mean, I'm not, I don't mean even outside credit. I mean, from the, the talent themselves, from the women themselves. And I, my phone, I was playing basketball at the beginning of the pandemic and my phone was in my pocket and like, must've just kept hitting the passcode. And anyway, my phone reset. And I remember I was like, no, I lost all these like beautiful texts. I remember I was like with some of the girls at WrestleMania at the PC. And I was like, man, I used to have all these amazing texts from, from you girls that are like, they're gone now. And they're like, don't worry, TJ, we'll, we'll, we'll restore those. And, and they have, and, uh, I'm so grateful. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like my age or my injury or both, but like I'm a lot more emotional now. And so like when they have like a when they have like an awesome match, I'll I'll go watch it at home after. It's different when I'm calling a match as it's happening live. There's I'm talking to so many different when you put that headset on in Gorilla, you're talking to so many different people and it's hard to focus on every single thing in the match. But when I watch it back when I get home, especially when I know it's good, when I get home and watch it. Uh, I get very emotional and um, uh, it's, it's the biggest honor for me to be, a, to be a part of, of, I guess this movement and the, the women, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. And that's, that's kind of my mindset and their mindset. So I, it's, it's our mindset of like, we've done a lot and there's still a lot more to go. And, and you know, I, I said this a little while ago, like um, this year's rumble, the women's rumble was the sixth, women's rumble ever whether the guys have had 30 plus you know we're playing a big game of catch up here and i think we're doing a great job of, of closing that gap absolutely oh dude the they get better each year the women's rumbles get better each year yeah like this year i was very proud of this year uh I, it's funny I, like and you know like, you learn things as as you wrestling is a very interesting thing you could be in this you could you could be in this business for a hundred years and you don't know everything yet. It just like because things it keeps changing, it keeps evolving. That's the that's the cool thing about it is it never gets too complacent because you can't. I just you know I also really like that not only you know are you helping you know produce it with the women's matches, but it it makes me happy that there's a a group of guys and 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 group of people behind the scenes as producers who are still getting to contribute after their you know, in-ring careers come to an end, you know, and there's such brilliant minds backstage that maybe didn't always get to become the WWE champion, but that had great minds for the business. And now they get to use it in another way, like a Shane Helms or Abyss or Petey Williams or Jason Jordan. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see some of these guys being able to continue giving to a business that they care so much about. Oh man, absolutely. Our, our team of, of guys and girls behind the scenes, uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't trade them for anybody. We we have a great uh, camaraderie with each other. We we understand where we have a great relationship with the talent. We understand kind of the tasks at hand and how do we go about getting all this done and making it the best po way possible. Like uh, we have a great team, man. Like Davari and Petey Williams, Abyss, Pierce, Jason Jordan, Michael Hayes. My, Michael Hayes is the godfather of producers to, to, to the generation of us now. And he, he has his own stuff that he always does, but he also oversees everybody and kind of like, you can go ask him any question and 
you can, it, you won't be able to stump Michael Hayes. He'll always have an answer for you. You can ask him a question about something or, hey, can you do this better? Can, can we make this different? And he always will have an answer. He'll never be stumped. He, he is unbelievable. Yeah, I wanted to get him on the show, but that's that's too deep. That's too high at the totem pole. I, I couldn't make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I met Chris Park at WrestleMania finally this year, and he was just the nicest dude. He was just the nicest dude he's, ever. He is the nicest guy. Like, um, the, there was a, a hurricane that was, you know, going to hit here yesterday or this morning, but it, it, it didn't. It got downgraded, and I'm totally fine. But Abyss sent me a text yesterday, like, Hey bro, I hope hope you guys are safe and good. I love you. Like he is he is a great person. And that's what I that's what I look for in my friendships more than anything, more than how talented you are or anything like that, is how great a person you are. And I think we have a great roster of, of people right now. Uh, I um it's maybe a brag, but I think I think it's the best maybe the business has ever been in terms of the quality of people in it. Well, we're gonna wrap things up here, but before I do that, I want to ask you one more thing. You know, obviously, I, I just anyone watching this, I talked to him about before. I'm not blindsiding him, asking him about this, but um, obviously, you know, we've dealt with such a you know, the wrestling community has been hit with such a huge loss in in Bray Wyatt recently. I saw some of the stuff you had been posting about him, um, but he was a fairly private dude. So, um, from someone like you who knew him, it, it's it's nice to hear about the the person that he was. Man, Bray is, he, he was an unbelievable person. He, I was, uh, right before I got on here, I was watching the, um, the confessionals or whatever that WWE put out on YouTube and, you know, just to see everyone speak so highly of him. And it's like the, the, the beauty of it is it's all true. We, we aren't having to exaggerate and pretend like, oh, let's pretend Bray was a good person. He was a phenomenal person. And I, I remember oh maybe it was maybe it was Otis said it. I was trying to remember who but somebody said like even when Bray was mad, he even if he was mad, which was very rarely, he would still have the locker room laughing because like he still just when he got salty, he he was also he was maybe extra funny when he was salty, which like I, I have a little bit of that or maybe a lot of that in me too. So <laughs> but Bray, man, he he just was special. His create his creativity and just but it wasn't just his creativity for himself. He would help everybody all the time. Like I remember um, I did my NXT run. And when I got called, when I was like back on the main roster, I was doing a promo talking about cats and facts on main event in a match of truth or something. And Bray pulled, pulled Natty aside, then came and found me and pulled me aside. He said, Hey man, you got something here, but I want to help you with like your cadence. And you know, I'm not some promo master. I got better at them working with Dusty, but I'm not a master. So like, if a guy like Bray Wyatt's going to help me, I will take that help any day of the week. And, you know, we, he, Bray, Bray was, he's, he's funny. I think his superpower is like, he just had a great relationship with everybody. And if you were talking to him, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world for those moments you're talking to him. And he's, he's very special with that. Like he had a key to my ring, you know, he'd been going to my ring a whole bunch the last year. Like he, it's kind of funny, man. I thought about this last night while I was working out. I've been last few days I've been working out. I just have Bray's theme on repeat, the Shatter song. I love it. Um, it's he. A lot of people don't know this, but two things. First off, I always say this. I'd always say this to him. He is the best smelling wrestler, maybe in the history. Even though, like, if you were to, you know, for what he looks like on TV, you might think. <laughs> 
otherwise. Yeah, he's hanging out with a guy who wears a dirty shirt. You would think that maybe he might not. Yeah, yeah. I'd always joke with him. I said, man, for what you look like on TV and how you actually like smell in real life is quite the contrast. Um, but but I, I thought about this the other day and I was like, oh, I wish I tweeted this when it happened. I wish I thought of it. Not that it's some profound thought, but I was like, man, a lot of people don't know this, but Bray was like deathly afraid of heights. He's really afraid of heights. And uh, what's it's what's ironic about that now is I'm sh- he got over that really quick because he's flying as high as anybody right now. There's not a better person than Bray Wyatt, man. I love Bray and I miss Bray very much. Yeah, he was he was a really nice dude. I only had a couple interactions with him, but like, I mean, they put me in his locker room for the Royal rumble. And we're like, here, you set up here. And I was like, I realized where I was and like what was happening around me. And I was like, uh, I, you guys sure this is where you want me to be set up. They were like, yeah. And then when he came in, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to say something to us to get out probably. <laughs> and instead he came over, which is the most warm welcome dude. Like we talked a bunch. She was, Friendly, nice, like I, ugh, it sucks. So wait, you, he was still training it's, with you this last year at your guys, at your ring? Yeah, like actually I was, I was looking through my text earlier and he texted me and was like, hey, he was very funny because like he said he was very private. So he texted me and said, hey, hey, I think I'm ready to get back in the ring a little bit. And this was last August, actually. I said, yeah, no problem. So we're going back and forth. And he was like, when are you training? And I said, I'm training at this time at five or six. I said, but if you want to meet at noon, if you want to meet at one, I'll meet you anytime you want. And he said, because at first he was like, okay, let's kind of do it privately. And then he was like, actually, I'll just show up at your practice. And like he did. And he was so helpful with every person there. He kept pulling guys aside and give them little bits of advice. And I mean, he pulled me aside out. He said, man, I love what you're doing here. He said, he said, our minds combined. He said, we're going to do some special things. And this is a chance to do some very special stuff in the business. And then at that point, he, I don't know if he was either kayfabe me or not. At this point, he was telling me he hadn't quite resigned yet, and he wasn't sure what was in the works. And then, then he did obviously resign. And man, I was so excited. I remember I, I had a little talk with him, maybe a few weeks after he resigned, and I was like, "Man, I'm so excited for this run." And he he said, "Yes." He said, "This is going to be the run," and I wholeheartedly believe. You know, if Physically, he'd he'd been good. I think um, it, it would have been. I think he was about to really blow people's minds. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. And hopefully, one day in a book, we can find out where all this kind of like was going, or what what some of the stuff he had in mind. Because I bet you, I have a feeling it's next level stuff that people would want to hear about. The way the way he thought and the way he saw things was so like it was weird. It was like. Uh, it was similar to Dusty, but then almost with like this horror movie aspect to things and how to like make people appreciate like the beauty after going through the pain. I don't know. He just was at a funny way of doing everything. And I saw Kevin Owens in the confession thing. He was like, he said Bray had ideas that he, KOs like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't get them. But when you go out there, the people all got it. So it, it like it just he just thought on a different level, man. He was. He was fun to be around because you could talk about wrestling. You could talk about any football. You could talk about life, kid, any, you could talk about anything with Bray and he could talk about it and he would have you laughing. And like, he is, it felt so good to be at raw this week and to see, you know, like just kind of see everybody's kind of broken over this. It was a little bit, um, 
I guess, cathartic that like we're all going through this same thing at the same time together helps. Yeah, it makes you feel not alone. It makes you feel not alone when you have other people that are going through it with you. Yeah, and it just it and uh, I know and I know Bray knew this and he knows this, but I'm just so happy that like Bray has brought everybody that much closer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I I really appreciate it. Like I've been a fan of yours for so long. Uh, I couldn't think of someone who I'd rather have in my final episode. Like I, this stuff, I could, t- I feel like we could talk for hours. So I, Ryan, yeah. Ryan I, I promise you, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> you, you'd start getting really sick of me, but I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about this stuff. Well, maybe we'll have a 2k off in the future. One of these days. That sounds good. And now yeah. I know you pay for dinner, so I'll just I'll just invite you out to dinner. Or something. <laughs> hey, yeah, so you know I'm good for it. <laughs> uh, TJ, man, have a great night. I appreciate it very much. Ryan, thank you. Have a great night, my friend. All right, that was my conversation with TJ Wilson, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you guys enjoyed all these conversations as much as I did. Uh, we've done about, let's see, 125, 26. I think this is episode 127. Um... Which, I mean, I'm I'm real proud of the stuff we put out here. You know, I, when I pitched this show, um, my whole thought process was I wanted to, I wanted to show a different side of the wrestlers that doesn't get seen on TV every week. The WWE superstars, the on-camera talent, people behind the scenes like TJ, who you already know. I just wanted to give a better picture of what they're like as people because, in my 10 years of covering wrestling, a little more than that, actually, um, it was the thing that I always noticed. You know, I'd, I'd meet these people, I'd talk to them, and as much as I was fans of their characters on TV, I'd become fans of the people that they were just off camera. They all have inspiring lives. They all have interesting thoughts. They all do cool things. They're all inspiring people, and uh, I I wanted to show that to others, um, you know, I've been covering wrestling for 10 years and I kind of, you know, I, I did the dirt sheet thing. I did the news where I was breaking news all the time and I just wasn't satisfied doing it. You know, you see people talk about things like only you can change your destiny and only you can figure out what, what makes you happy. And, um, you know, the news thing wasn't it for me. I wanted to have a people, I wanted people to have a different perception of me. Um, I didn't want that to be my legacy. So when I came here, I asked if I could do this podcast. And uh, thankfully, my producer at the time, Michael Davis, was very helpful in making this happen. He was a huge wrestling fan. Um, and he was pivotal in getting this show off of the ground. So huge shout out to Davis who I owe a lot to for helping me get this show on uh, on the air, on the web, whatever. He was a big part of it. And he had a lot of advice for me early on that was super helpful. But, you know, in the time that I've been covering wrestling, I just like, <sighs> there's been something else that I've wanted to do. Um, I love wrestling so much. It's, it's my favorite thing in the world. 
And like what I've gotten to do here has been a dream come true. Don't get me wrong. Like I've gotten to go to all these cool wrestling events. I've gotten to be backstage. I've gotten to stand in gorilla and interview the Royal Rumble winners. I've gotten to do things that young Ryan who watched wrestling could never dream of doing. But adult Ryan does have other dreams. And I've been covering wrestling for like 10 years now. I was 26 years old, really, when when I kind of really dug into it. And when that happened, my brother died, you know, my brother died. I was young. I was traumatized by it. And I kind of just pushed myself away and I kind of wanted to not talk to people. And I kind of wanted to just put all my energy into one thing so I could not think about how sad I was. And for the past 10 years covering it, I wanted to make him proud, you know, and I've kind of uh, pushed myself away from the actual dreams that I really got into the entertainment industry to do. Um, And I've loved wrestling, but, you know, after my dad died a couple months ago, I was sitting there at his funeral just thinking, like, I still have dreams I haven't accomplished yet, and I want to move forward towards them. And so I think I'm parting ways with the wrestling coverage in general and starting to follow my dreams, you know, not only when I did this show, did I want people to learn about the wrestlers, but I wanted them to find inspiration in these people. And I didn't expect that after 127 episodes that I was going to be the one who found the most inspiration in these people, the people who followed their dreams, the people who believed in themselves, the people who knew, even if no one else thought they could, that they could do it. And they've all done it and they've all followed their dreams and it inspired me to do the same. You know, when my dad died, I told my little sister here, um, that she should follow her dreams and not go the safe route and not do what everyone else tells her to do because it's safe. She should follow her dreams and do the things that she thinks are going to make her happy and fulfilled. And I kind of feel like a little bit of a hypocrite telling her that while knowing that I have stuff to do myself. So I'm taking my own advice. I'm following the advice of the people who were on this show. I'm going to go follow my dreams. So I appreciate all of you who've joined me on this ride without a character, who've joined me on the ride with wrestling coverage since my TMZ days and pro wrestling sheet. Um, I I cannot thank you enough. And I also cannot thank the crew of this show enough as well. Um, There are people who have been here since the beginning who have gone on shoots in other states who have spent tons of time making this show look good that you never see because there isn't credits on these shows. Uh, There's a lot of people who have put a lot of work into this show, and I am incredibly appreciative of them helping me look good in the process and and making all this work when I probably couldn't do that myself. I know I couldn't do that myself. Uh, And so I am incredibly thankful of every single one of them, every single person who's been here in the studio with me, the people behind the cameras in the control room, everyone from the beginning. Uh, I cannot thank you all enough. And I also cannot thank enough the bosses here um, from Buck to uh, who gave me the opportunity to do this show when that wasn't what they hired me for. Uh, He just took my pitch and let me run with it and has been so supportive the whole way. Uh, And same for Jacob Ullman and Ben Grossman on the TV side. Those two guys with WWE backstage took a chance on me, gave me a huge opportunity. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful for that because it, It led me to doing things that I did not think I would ever get the opportunity to do. So thank you to both of them. Thank you to the crew. Thank you to all of you who have watched all these episodes. Uh, I appreciate it very much. All right, that's it. I'm done. 
officially tapping out for good. Uh, well, there's no until next time. I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been Out of Character. <laughs>